0: Welcome back to another episode, a long-awaited episode, because I have just not been very good about getting these episodes to you, episode of What They Aren't Telling You with Melissa Floyd. Now there is so much going on right now, and typically I post about this stuff on my Facebook or Instagram, so I'm not getting to podcast episodes as often, but I'm trying to stay up with it enough on social media that kind of keeping you in the loop. But this summer, I'm going to uh, be better about multiple episodes because there's so much to cover. And there's a lot going on right now. As it relates to COVID. Again, it's like it's all coming back around again. What I wanted to cover today was something that came across I don't even know where I first saw this actually, but I was presented with this article about Dr. Fauci warning us about another lockdown. And so of course, I was thinking to myself, well, what could possibly be reasoning for this? What could possibly be leading to something like this? Like, at this point, we're two years after our original lockdowns, two years after I was originally posting about this, which is what led me to start this particular podcast. And in those two years, you know, we've seen a lot of public compliance originally. And after several months, we saw people become frustrated with complying, because at that point, they sort of realized you know what, Uh, I don't know that there is enough data to substantiate the mitigation policies that we have been forced into or taken into account for our cities, counties, or states, or whatever, and and even as a country. And we saw, we kind of have seen the public response to this go in waves. So initially, March 2020, everybody's really complying. And, and you know, I kind of laugh when I see people to this day, I will see people write comments on something saying if everyone would have just followed things like they were supposed to, we wouldn't be in this situation. Now, of course, we heard that March 2020, the mitigation policy at that point was everybody to shelter in place, unless you were an essential worker. Now granted, There were no masks at that time because the medical community as a whole, including the main educational medical organizations that give their opinion or feedback or advice for public behavior, had agreed that masks do nothing and they don't do enough, if anything, to stop the spread. So therefore, it was not something that was recommended. So March 2020, we had a shelter in place, stay at home order, unless you're an essential worker. But if you were out and about, if you did have to make that grocery store run or go to the gas station or do the, the uh, basic things, or if you were an essential worker, you saw that the people were interacting with each other uh, without masks and engaging with people that way. There were just a lot less people around. So that was kind of the very first big mitigation policy that we saw. And I think it's total BS for anybody to say at this point that not enough people followed that because I have not in my entire adult life seen so many people follow one particular thing than I did in those two weeks. Because remember, of course, it was said it was just going to be two weeks to flatten the curve two weeks for us to get this under control, and then we could go back to our lives. So people were, of course, more likely to participate because they had no idea. Well, some of us did, but the majority of people really didn't think this was going to go on as long as it did in the different layers that it did. So everybody was willing to sort of get on board. Two weeks, what's the big deal? I mean, there were so few cars on the road, so few people out and about. It is absolute lunacy to think that there could ever be anything that produces that much compliance over millions and millions of people as it did then. That was the most you could possibly expect about getting grown adults and their families to adhere to policies that really had no basis. Like we were just sort of a little bit flying blind here based on um, information from other countries or based on what certain people were telling us was going to happen if we didn't do this. There wasn't an obvious basis for us looking around our local region to say, oh my gosh, this is so deadly or dangerous or whatever that I have got to act. And in that case, of course, you never have to push people to do it because they'll do it voluntarily because they will see it. But we weren't really seeing anything, especially in California, right? We're we're not really seeing anything. And yet everybody was still adhering. Again, as many people as you will ever get to adhere to something without, you know, totalitarian force. That is, I mean, even to get 80% of an area to do one thing is still, we're talking about, you know, millions of people doing something that's a hard thing to do. And it's a request, but it was a strong request and people were following it. So anybody that says that just wasn't happening in those early days is ridiculous because what do you, what do you expect to get a hundred percent of people to do something impossible? And not to mention, there were too many people that were considered essential workers and had to be operating stores that were still needed for emergency services or life-saving types of things, including food and supplies, right? So looking back at that first initial couple weeks, uh, again, just a little over two years ago, people complied. Then people went through this period a few months after that where they're going, okay, so this seems to be settling and I have to eventually go back to work because I have to provide for my family you know, people could dip into their savings for two weeks. And then, of course, people were taking these stimulus checks and whatnot, which, you know, where is that money coming from? As I always say, where is that coming from? Money's just being printed. Well, in the time, it feels good to everybody because they're getting a check. But in reality, what does that do to our economy? How does that help us? It doesn't. In fact, now that we're dealing with extreme inflation at this point, money is worth less and less and less. Them continuing to print money for people to what I kind of consider is pacify them into compliance. To make it so your hardship isn't so bad, so you'll be willing to comply, doesn't really serve us as a country, as an economy, as a community, because it ends up coming back to hurt us in the end, and we're, we're facing that right now. We're actually in that process. Right now, two years later, we sort of knew this was gonna happen, and we've got all these people predicting a major recession coming as a result. That's not really shocking, is it? You you told 50 plus percent of the workforce to stop working or you created a situation to where business was non-existent from the fear that was perpetuated through this entire thing that killed businesses, killed small businesses, killed mom and pop shops, individual businesses. The only people that really gained from this are these huge corporations. And I'll do a different episode on that where we look at what are the companies that gained most during this time and who do they represent and how did they play a part, if they did, in their belief system about the pandemic or their support of policies during the pandemic and how that kind of came back around to maybe them profiting from it. But in general, small businesses really didn't weather this storm very well. In fact, many, most of them, I would say a, a majority probably did not survive. And the ones that did survive probably had to use most of their savings to be able to get to this point, in which case, yes, they survived, but they're not prepared for whatever could come next, the next life emergency that could come at another point. So you see these cycles of the public agreeing with the mitigation me- measures. And then you see cycles of people kind of questioning what's going on. So by summer of 2020, people were going, I don't really see this as the big issue. We thought everybody was going to die, and they didn't. Um, so maybe we can go back to life, right? And it was, it was as almost as if the powers that be, and you know, who those powers are is up for interpretation, but it was almost as if those powers that be sensed, sensed people pulling away from their belief in all this their compliance to everything and all of a sudden now it was mask mandates started to come forth and this was like in the summertime where you're thinking hey viruses don't typically travel in the summertime but oh lo and behold we had our first variant right and then we started having mask mandates and I noticed at the very beginning of that people were like huh I don't this doesn't make sense but before long man, were people buying into this. And this became our new normal is seeing masks everywhere. That carried us all the way through probably to mid 2021, I'd say, when you started to see people going, okay, like at some point, we got to get rid of this stuff. Like we can't constantly be using masks. You know, are they even working? People were saying, are they even working? Now, they were required for your entrance to so many places that even the people that didn't agree with them were still wearing them. There were very few people that chose to kind of go against that and not give business to the places that required or not use them if they could get away with that. And I'll say you're probably most of the people listening (laughs) to this because we knew scientifically early on because we had sort of done that research that they were not helping to stop the spread or transmission of a virus with that particle size. So because we knew that, and and if you're new to this podcast, you can check some of these older episodes on masks. Uh, It's mentioned in there with studies and whatnot. So all of a sudden the public starts to kind of get a little frustrated. Again, again, this is a cycle of public perception. And now all of a sudden people are kind of maybe ditching the masks a little more. And it's somewhere around late fall, Uh, that we get this great study that comes out from Johns Hopkins, which I'll do a separate episode on talking about the mitigation strategies that we used and how effective, if effective, were they in preventing increased mortality, right? So it's not really about preventing cases or it shouldn't be because there's only so much control you have over, over nature, especially if it's somehow been messed with or if it's been altered or fabricated in some way which of course we've got a lot of a lot of theories that have basis behind them that suggest that this is obviously not just a natural virus but that there's some type of intervention that came into that before it was quote accidentally released you know for the public however you believe on that but all of a sudden we find out through this study that these mitigation tactics that we used might not have affected mortality at all, meaning did not actually reduce the number of people dying from it, which is really all that matters. It's not about the number of cases. It's not about even who tests positive because we're seeing again right now, which I'll go into in a second, how positive testing has its own set of flaws and question marks around it, um, especially when somebody's without symptoms. So we've got that article come out. And even on SNL, they're putting out a little, you know, kind of parody about people talking about how maybe none of this really mattered. And of course, SNL is a very liberal based comedy show on a what would, many would consider a liberal network on NBC. So even that coming out on that kind of network, you're going, all right, maybe the public sort of come around again, right? So here we are. That's like winter 2021. We're now into spring of 2022, and all of a sudden, this article basically comes across my desk about potential for lockdowns again, and you're thinking, there's no way. We have not come this far, two years into the game, where people are over COVID. They are over it. They're over all of the restrictions surrounding it. They're over the ridiculous and purposeless testing and inaccurate testing, they're over the desperate push for people to get now the second booster, which is now the fourth dose, if your initial doses were of Pfizer. They're over school closures. They're over mask mandates. They're over all of it. How can we get people to succumb again to that feeling of fear at the level necessary to institute compliance for policies that are coming around again, that they're essentially recycling. And is that even possible? Part of me says, absolutely not. People are fed up. There's no way that they're going to be tolerating this. And the other part of me says, well, gosh, I really didn't think it was gonna go down the way it did uh, this last time either. And yet people were so quick to fall in line. I would hope we're not at a place where that happens again because at some point we have to represent our strength as free thinking individuals that understand you cannot avoid 100% of death. And there is no such thing as being safe all of the time. In fact, Dennis Prager had a really great little video episode on this illusion of safety. And he did that early in 2020, right when this kind of had happened. And he made some really great points, points I had not even considered myself as an individual, just going about society who deals with anxiety myself and always looks to put myself in the safest of circumstances because of my fear, my worry of something going wrong, my worry of worst case scenario that kind of has plagued me throughout my whole life. And that's something I deal with. And so... I'm constantly trying to look for what is safest for me. What can make me feel most comfortable? It's taken me so many years to realize that one, you're not in control of that. You're in control of that in some ways, but not in control of it in many ways. And you have to come to terms with that. And two, to understand that being in a, in a state of safety and comfort While that feels better and it seems like that is better for us, it also keeps us in a cocoon that does not allow us to experience life. It also does not allow us to push ourselves and to grow and to stretch and to go through difficult transitions either. Because when does growth actually happen? Does it happen when you're cozy in your living room? with a blanket watching your favorite movie with the hot chocolate and everything's fine and everything's paid for and everybody's happy. No, that's not exactly how it happens. In fact, that's not how it happens at all. Growth, comes from difficult circumstances often struggling circumstances and those circumstances are when you are out of control or in an environment that is not perfectly to your liking of safety or this idea of safety in our perfect world none of our loved ones would ever die we would all live to this super old age and we would just close our eyes and fall asleep and it would be when everybody was ready for that to happen But that's not really how life goes, is it? So this illusion of buying safety for people or being able to give safety to people that the government was basically selling with the idea of, if you just comply, we'll give you safety. Your safety will be, you're not going to find yourself in this awful situation. But if you don't comply, you're going to have guaranteed danger and death. Kind of like the Biden administration's holiday message for... 2021, the the dark winter, the winter of death for those who are unvaccinated, that he essentially wished upon uh, anyone who chose not to be fully vaccinated, which at that point was already three doses. So all the two-dose people that were thinking they were good were no longer on that list. But this idea of safety is a false idea anyway. And it's like people forget that people die every day. In fact, in the United States, 1.2 million people die every single year. Over a million people die every single year of a variety of causes. And out of those causes, respiratory viruses can take anywhere between 60 to 80,000 lives, not just the flu, but typically various unnamed respiratory viruses. And that's always happening. That's not just happening on certain years. That's not happening when there are pandemics. That's happening all the time. But all of a sudden, when this came along, people were so hyper-focused on that death counter on their news station that they forgot that people do die of all sorts of different causes and that that is part of life that we do not have control of. And to pretend or to be, I guess, ignorant, naive enough to think that we as men can sort of, men being humans, can overtake nature in a way that can control something that is a natural part of the cycle or circle of life. Again, it's naive and it's ignorant because we don't have that kind of power. Now we do see humans, mankind getting involved in things that should be nature-based over and over again, like this idea of controlling the immune system or controlling health through pharmaceuticals or pharmaceutical or medical interventions. Sometimes us intervening causes a whole list of other unintended consequences that tend to have collateral damage. Now, most people listening to this that are aware of the idea of vaccine injury understands that concept because either they have dealt with it personally with their families or children, or they know somebody that has. And we're talking about kids who have been the collateral damage from the unintended consequences from the medical intervention. Of course, medical interventions can do amazing things also, and they are life-saving, and there are so many amazing things that can come from them. But to think that that is the only way to handle the body or the only way to handle healing the body is the wrong way to think because our body, our entire immune system is so complicated. I still do not think there is such thing as a scientist virologist biologist or anybody in the medical field that can actually say they have an entire grasp on exactly how our immune system works they can't possibly it is so complicated they are continuing to learn aspects of it decades and decades later the same way they're still learning about the wonders of breastfeeding and exactly what that's doing so science doesn't have a hold on what our body does but science has been really trying to push medical interventions for a very long time especially when they make money and we saw that a lot during this pandemic so here we are in the april 2022 and there is an article about fauci and the new lockdown and i'm going to talk about that today uh right before i get into that i want to mention and i'm going to start posting about these i have designed a new card Okay, this is a new informational card, a four by six, two-sided card, all about COVID, the pandemic, and how we have handled this as a society. It has three main points with the subtopics on the back. The main title of this is, Have We Mismanaged the Pandemic? So the reason I wanted to do this card is because here we are, I did an original COVID card the first, you know, after the first several months, and that was kind of talking about the things we were dealing with then, but we're past that now. Now we're into a place where people are looking at this saying, have we managed this right? Did we make the right choices? Have people been harmed by what we've done? Did we even stop the spread of this? And why is this important? It's because this could happen again. This all could happen again, whether it's a different uh, germ or a different pathogen, or whether it's the same thing that they try to milk out some more time with, as we're kind of seeing now, we have to become aware of how this was handled the wrong way. And initially, everybody thought, oh, we did the best we could. We did with what we knew, right? We did the best we could with what we knew. But now we know more. So now we realize that we have mismanaged this pandemic. and this is the time we have to sit there and look at what we have done, maybe hold some people accountable and make changes in the future. So these cards you can get on my website. I have a website melissafortruth.com and you'll get a set. every set has a hundred cards. they're two-sided and it also has this uh podcast information on the back as well as the one for the vaccine conversation with me and dr bob but these are great cards i've got concise points that really kind of break down the summary of what we're doing and people need to be picking these up at their grocery stores or other public stores to be educated on this so they don't let something like this happen again so if you want to order those go to my website melissafortruth.com you can also Message me on Facebook or Instagram for more information and get those shipped out to you so that you can go put them places as a type of educational service because people need to know more about this. And guess what? They're not going to get this from the mainstream news because the mainstream news has only one particular narrative on this entire thing. And it's not going to be the truth at this point. Okay, so back to the article. So the title of the article says, Fauci warns Americans could face more lockdowns amid spread of new COVID-19 variant. Okay, this was March 18th, 2022. And what variant are they talking about? They're talking about an Omicron variant that they've titled BA.2, two, and considered it a sub-variant. So let's look at the main variants we've had so far. We had the Delta variant, that was the first one. We had some other ones in between there that didn't quite catch steam. And then we had Omicron, which basically by January, February, 2022, everybody thought it was going to take over again because everybody was getting sick with it. And magically, like the second week of February, it's like it disappeared. Nobody heard about it really again. And here we are talking about a new sub variant BA.2 And this particular article essentially is giving Fauci a platform again to weigh in with his medical advice, though I'm not really sure why anybody's listening to him anymore because he so clearly flip flopped, which is something we give politicians so much crap for, flip flopping on an issue. It is so looked down upon by the public because you want to believe in somebody who believes in something. And if they just keep changing their stance on something, then you don't even know what they stand for, period. And so here we are with Fauci, who's like, don't wear masks, then wear masks. And this lockdown needs to do this. And then we have to do this. And these mandates help or don't help or it's dangerous to kids. No, it's not. So they've just gone so back and forth on so many aspects of this. I'm surprised he's even given a platform. And again, Who gives him the platform? Do you think the citizens of America are just like, we want to hear from Fauci. Like, that's who we need to hear from. Of course not. Nobody cares about this dude anymore. He's kind of a joke to most people. But who's giving him credibility to be the doctor to weigh in on something like this? Remember, he still is the director of the NIH, the National Institute of Health, but he's lost credibility with the average person. So who continues to give him the time to speak on these issues and weigh in with his quote advice well that of course is the media and the media has been completely completely bought by the medical establishment, especially relating to this. They've been very clear on what their narrative has been during the pandemic, what their advice has been for people and their distaste and dislike for those who are questioning by refusing to cover a lot of rallies and protests that had hundreds and then also thousands of people across the country that were uncomfortable with what was happening. They just refused to cover it. They don't want to give it any attention, right? But then they would cover what was it, the protest of uh, Dave Chappelle, right? And it was like 100 people outside and that was on every news channel. So the media gets to decide what is news, what isn't news, what gets shown or broadcast as important and what is not important. So by showing Fauci again, they're just trying to reiterate here that he is a valid medical source of information and he is somebody to be listened to to tell the American public what type of behavior is okay Or not okay, and what is to be expected for the future. Okay, so it's the media responsible for this because if most Americans had a chance, they wouldn't see this guy ever again. He, in fact, he would be probably criminally held accountable for some of the decisions and uh, words of advice that he gave, full well knowing that it was dishonest um, over the last two years. Okay, so this is what he says this is his quote. Americans should be able to pivot back and forth between a more common way of life and the measures that were taken in an attempt to slow the spread of the virus at the height of the pandemic. Let's break this down. Americans should be able to pivot back and forth. Americans need to be flexible. Americans need to be flexible, you guys, between locking down and having freedom. You guys just need to be more adaptable. Hello, just pivot. Oh, I'm in complete state of lockdown and oh, I have my life as I've always known it. No biggie, just another day, right? So he puts this responsibility back on us. We should be able to do it. AKA, if you are not willing or you are not supportive of this then you are not a capable or kind american remember every one of these mitigation strategies would shame and discredit anyone that didn't agree with it even if their a disagreement was based on scientific fact they would shame and and degrade them letting other people think that those people were unkind Americans, unkind citizens, unkind neighbors, right? So you always want to pay attention to the language because let me tell you, this language is not just something that's flying off the tongue. These are talking points that have been very carefully crafted. They've been crafted to say something a certain way. They've been crafted to make you feel a certain way when you hear them and they have done this based on lots of research and focus groups that teach them exactly how people are manipulated to take action or behave a certain way. So they're looking for a certain viewpoint. They want people to feel a certain way and they know how to make people do that and it's going to be through certain language. So Americans should be able to pivot back and forth between a more common way of life. And I love how he doesn't use the word normal because he doesn't want to think that lockdowns are abnormal. Of course, they are abnormal. There's nothing normal about them. So a more common way of life and the measures that were taken in an attempt to slow the spread. Even he cannot lie blatantly and say that those mitigation efforts did slow the spread It was an attempt to slow the spread. It turns out it didn't do crap. It really did not do, statistically did not do anything to reduce the mortality. So he's even admitting this was an attempt to slow the spread. Can you imagine how much hardship was faced by Americans based on this attempt that we believed in, that we put faith in the people guiding us and people were willing and they stepped up graciously, willing to lose their businesses, to lose their mental health and well-being, to lose their savings, uh, to lose in some cases their homes, their children's lives and their schooling and education. Think about the level of hardship. We did this all for an attempt an attempt that was not statistically successful. And Fauci still believes or is still wanting us to believe that we should be willing to oscillate between a state of life in comfort where we get to work and provide for our families the way we've always done And a state where we are in limbo, not able to work, not able to provide, not able to have a routine and flow to our lives, we should be willing to go back and forth like that. And we shouldn't even stop to question, wonder, or complain about the hardships that we're facing because we should just be able to do this. Okay, that was a direct quote. When he talks about being more flexible, he talks about pivoting between, what lockdown measures is he talking about? What what attempts is he talking about? He's talking about full shelter in place orders. He's talking about mask mandates. He's talking about school closures. These are all things that greatly affected the quality of life for every person around the globe not just Americans, but every person around the globe. But why should we? Why should we be able to pivot? Why should we be listening to mitigation measures as even an option when they weren't successful? Why should we be required to do that? What person in their right mind would continue to do something that was unsuccessful, especially something that created its own very severe hardship in multiple layers. Why should Americans do that? Give me good reason. Give me good reason. Now, remember the time that we did all this, This is when we were looking at New York City and all these people were dying, of course. Granted, you know my take on that. It was the way they were treating these patients and not the virus itself that was killing people to the extent that we saw it. And we don't see that anymore because they're not treating people the same way. They don't treat them with ventilators the same way, though. They have universally adapted remdesivir, which has its own downside. And I think they're kind of coming around to knowing that now, too. But it's the way we've treated things that really has contributed greatly to the mortality numbers in this particular pandemic. But nothing like what happened with New York happened everywhere else, right? That's what we were prepared for. But we got on board, didn't we? We all got on board anyway. But now we're talking about a sub-variant of variant that is the second main variant from the original, and each variant has been less deadly, in fact, this is exactly what Fauci says. Overall, the mortality is actually down. It's very interesting situation where the cases are going up, but it does not, at this point, appear to be any degree of severity. Listen to that. The mortality's down. He calls it interesting. Isn't it interesting? Cases are going up, but the mortality's going down, A.K. this is not as deadly as what came prior. He says there doesn't appear to be any degree of severity. So the sub-variant of Omicron is even less deadly than Omicron, which was even less deadly than Delta, which was even less deadly than the original SARS-CoV-2. And this guy is trying to come up here and tell us, even knowing that everybody, be prepared to pivot back and forth into a lockdown to find more lockdowns. This is the the part of the quote that really pissed me off as I was reading this. Fauci says, we can't just say we're done and we're going to move on. He actually says this. We can't just say we're done and we're going to move on. Because they would hate that, wouldn't they? They would hate it if we moved on. Because they had the most captive audience they've had in decades. Decades. They've had the most control they've had in decades. Why would they want people to move on? Some people that never even got noticed had extreme notoriety, including him. People were listening to him People valued what was being said. People trusted them. People gave them money and business backing and financial support. Of course, they don't want people to move on. But what a ridiculous thing to say. We can't just say we're over this and we're going to move on. Why can't we? Because guess what? We are done and we are going to move on because there is no other choice. We cannot stay in states of perpetual lockdown or mitigation or back and forth. Businesses will not survive. People's mental health will not stay balanced. We cannot continue this any longer. We have no choice as a community, as a society to move on. We have no choice than to move on moving on and getting us back into our routine and back into what strengthened us as communities and as a country is based on our normal life. This is not normal where we are now and where we've been the last two years. And people gave in and they gave that time, but it was a waste of time. It was a waste of loss. And even those people that right now want to talk about all the people that died, and this is, this is what we had to do. If you really break down the research and statistics, you will change your mind when you are on the backside or on the other side of that information. So why can't we move on? Why won't he allow us to move on? Why is he making people feel badly for wanting to move on? Haven't we done enough already? Haven't we given enough already? This has created a level of post-traumatic stress for children and adults across the world that will take decades to remove. So why can't we move on and attempt to get back to a place of homeostasis or balance mentally, physically, emotionally, all of it? He admits this is less fatal. He admits the mortality is down. Then why are we talking about lockdowns? And at the end of the article, Fauci says he would not be surprised if cases go up. And it's almost like he's making this prediction. I would not be surprised, almost as if he knows something. You know, a lot of people found articles by Gates or Fauci ahead of time that said something leading towards what we went through. That certainly does make you wonder about their level of knowledge and how much there was intervention in this whole thing starting or happening. We certainly know that the medical advice was based, it seems, more on business interest than it was on actual threat to the community. But nevertheless, they went with a full dramatic fear-based approach and there was so much suffering as a result. Um, There are people that at this point, two years later, will probably never feel comfortable without a mask on in public. And think about that. That will never feel comfortable being around other people face-to-face, interacting, which is something as a communal-based mammal, as humans are, we need community, we need people, we need family, friends, a circle. We are not lone rangers. We are not like tigers who live the whole rest of their lives by themselves. We require that pack. We require neighboring people around us, and whether that's family or friends or colleagues or coworkers, whatever. That is what we need for our mental health and isolation kills. The threat of a virus killing uh, is there hypothetically, but the reality of people dying in isolation, taking their lives in isolation, chronic illnesses is getting worse based on the state of mental health and emotional health of those that had physical problems, that those are real things. Okay, these are secondary layers of victims that we've seen through all of this that aren't really talked about or looked at, but this is what's going to be looked at 10 years from now when we do this overall study on how this pandemic and the mitigation strategies affected people, if if they're lucky enough to get that actually published without being forced to retract it, right? Because even the things that get published are controlled as well. So anyway, so Fauci's talking about these new cases coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if this is happening. And then, of course, this leads into the discussion about what's going on in China right now, which is unreal. And if you guys have not been following what's going on in China right now, I mean, it's unbelievable. We've got Shanghai, a major city in China, in full lockdowns, and they have been for the last couple of weeks, not letting people leave their homes, okay? They are force testing everyone. And they are taking people with positive tests to quarantine facilities. You are not allowed to quarantine in your home. They were taking children away from their parents. And they're taking pets from owners and killing them, uh, according to the reports. So what is so crazy about this is we're looking at the same variant here that Fauci's talking about. And remember, what happened in China was the predecessor to what happened here for our lockdown. So this is why it's important to keep an eye on what what you see in other countries. Okay, keep vigilant during this time by keeping an eye on what you see in other countries. Last time it was China first, South Korea, Italy, and then New York. Those are kind of all the main hotspots that we saw sort of the chaos now in china it looks like the old video footage they were trying to make it look like people were dying in the streets but uh, apparently that was all kind of fabricated to make this look more serious than it was to sort of domino effect this into you know worldwide mass hysteria which some may say led to china financially taking over lots of things and capitalizing on countries that were hurt or damaged during this economic loss that came as a result of these mitigation strategies. Um, But people will do a lot of things when they're fearful, right? They'll do things that defy logic when fear gets in the way. So what's so crazy about what's happening in China is that 96% of these cases are completely asymptomatic. There are symptoms only in 4% of the cases, and there has not been at this time a single death. 180,000 cases, not a single death. Only 4% of those 180,000 cases even have symptoms of illness or infection at all. The rest are what we would call healthy people who just happen to get a positive test result from a test that we have no idea if it's accurate or not. They're blindly trusting a government to come in with people in hazmat suits and essentially taking people away that are completely healthy, taking them away from their kids, their job, their family, their pets, their homes, forcing them two to three weeks, whatever the length of time is, in a quarantine camp with no symptoms and nobody is dying. So what warrants this level of government or federal or even medical community involvement or advice? Who's decided that this is the way to go? Now we've already seen Australia kind of act crazy through this whole thing too. They had very low numbers, low deaths, and they were just had everybody on just lockdown number four. But this, we're seeing these videos, we're seeing videos of people screaming out of their windows and high rises where they live and putting that on TikTok or Snapchat or whatever, showing people what they're dealing with. This is madness. No symptoms, no death. Full lockdowns, why does that affect us here? Because, oh, that's China. It's another country. They have a different government. Well, the reason I'll tell you why I'm paying attention to this is because what happened in China led to what happened here. Now, will that happen again here as a result? Will people buy into this again? I certainly hope not. But I think you should be paying attention to what's going on internationally as it relates to this right now. Because once we deal with lockdowns, that becomes... Uh, a more invasive and problematic type of strategy that will affect your quality of life and it will unnecessarily do that and it's going to bring with it the wave of secondary victims like i mentioned earlier so this is so interesting right now and i want to keep an eye on this but as many of you know like my gut my instincts about how this all went down early in march they turned out to be accurate. And now I had looked at data before I gave those opinions. I know some people questioned those initial opinions, but guess what? turned out to be accurate. My gut instincts tend to be right about stuff like this. And something feels so off about what's going with China and Fauci giving this prediction right now. I'm definitely going to kind of keep an eye on this and keep watching it. And if there's something that you think that's interesting that I should look at or maybe cover, feel free to message me on Facebook or Instagram and let me know. Um, You can also go to melissafortruth.com and contact through an email address there because I do want to cover the things that you guys want to talk about and make sure that we can look at sort of the data behind it and see as citizens what we need to be focusing on also because we need to protect each other. Anyway, also go get those COVID cards and make sure and distribute them for me and be a beacon of educational truth so that people can open their eyes to sort of the very fact-based discussion on whether or not we did the right thing have done the right thing and what we do in the future because as we're at a place where this could happen again we need to make sure we can kind of get in the way of that and open up a a public discussion on this because we have a right to weigh in so go get those COVID cards also on the website and I'm going to come back with the next episode on the Johns Hopkins Uh, study that talked about this mitigation strategies and statistically what they did or didn't do for this because I find that interesting and feel free to share this podcast with somebody else that you know or the vaccine conversation with Dr. Bob and I which just kind of got back into season three now so we're starting again so if you've been missing that for a while it's back and look forward to the next episode with you guys and thanks for joining me on what they aren't telling you.